the Skyflow Stoics podcast where presenters Robert Kuhn and Colin Hay present ancient Stoic philosophy to modern ears in the hope that people may find some inner freedom. So welcome everybody to another episode of the Scotland Stoics. My name's Robert Keenan. I'll be one of your presenters today, also known as Bob from Scotland. So just getting out to my British listeners. Um, I'm also on board with my co-presenter. Can you introduce yourself, Colin? Hi everybody, I'm Colin. And my accent also suggests that I'm from Scotland and I'm staying in Scotland, near Edinburgh, just outside. So nice to see some new faces along with us today. And... Hello to all our listeners as well. Yep, brilliant. Thanks a lot for that, Colin. Before uh, we get to all of this, uh, sorry, uh, our panel to introduce ourselves, what I'm going to do is discuss a certain matter that I didn't want to discuss with you, Colin. Yeah. What's that? There was other than StoreCon being on at the weekend, which obviously was uh, a paramount importance to everybody on here. There was a certain football match that was on before it. Oh, yes, that's right, yeah. And... Um, <laughs> I'm, you're laughing, I'm no. It wasn't good. It was a bit of a horror show for, for my team. Um, but I think you were a bit happier. I don't know about Donald, but Team Donald supports, but um, it wasn't good for me anyway. It wasn't good at all, you know. But no. you were happy, Colin. Yeah, relatively. Relatively pleased. It is only a game after all. But yes. yeah, delighted with the result. Yeah. It was a bit of Sorian. Never mind. Right, so I've got a, a, a large panel on tonight, so I'm going to go through each participant. If they could just um, give us a wee background about themselves, tell us who they are, and I'll start with yourself, Ewan. Hi. Um, I didn't expect to be going first. That's okay, mate. Uh, you I'm, go. So no I'm pressure. <laughs> I've sort of just trying to start, um, a sto- or I have started, a stoicism group in Wales. Um, I originally called it Cardiff Stoics, but uh, it's when all meetings are online, um, look specific locations maybe aren't the way to go. I might have to rebrand it Wales Stoics or something. I'm not sure. Um, but I call it Cardiff Stoics because in the future um, meetings could be in person, but that, that seems a long way off. Um, so I'm tr- trying to sort of get uh, members on board for that. So I've come here to, um, well, see, see how the Scotland Stoics run things. Um, and... Yeah, that's it, really. So I hope to get mine mine started. Sto- sto- uh, stoicism is a bit of a, n- a new thing for me um, this year, really, in those those long early months of the lockdown with uh, not much to do. Um, so it's a new, it's a new thing for me. So I'm looking forward to to connecting with more more people, uh, more like minded people, and talking about stoicism. Well, you and thanks for that introduction, mate. You've got a lot of good experts on tonight, so yeah. that's good. Just keep listening, my friend. Brilliant. Uh, Greg, would you like to introduce yourself? <coughs> Is he there, Greg? Uh, yep. Yeah. Greg Marcello here in Calgary. Good man. Thanks, Greg. Casey. Uh, I'm Casey Pierce. I am an author and comic book writer from Detroit, Michigan. I'm also an editor. I run uh, Red Pen Media. And just like Ewan, um, Stoicism was new for me this year during the lockdown. Of course, I read Donald Robertson's How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. I reached out to him in an email and I became sort of a sounding board for his new graphic novel coming out um, about the life of Marcus Aurelius. Um, So thank you for having me on. Thanks, Casey. Always great to have you on. Brilliant. Marley, would you like to introduce yourself? 
Sure, I'm Marlene McNaughton. I'm from Edmonton, uh, Alberta, Canada, and I'm part of Jeff's uh, meetup group, our local meetup meetup group. So um, I was participating in StoaCon, and I'm also just uh, listening to to Donald's book right now. So enjoying it. Kind of new to all this. Thank you. Um, David, would you like to introduce yourself? Yep, um, I'm David Croft. Um, I'm from Gloucestershire um, in England. Um, I'm sort of in a similar camp to uh, to you, and actually, so uh, though um, I've sort of dabbled with stoicism for a couple of years. I went to Stoicon in London, and um, I sort of figured that I should um, I should pursue it a little bit more. So I, um, I thought about setting up a group, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm having mixed success at the moment, but um, but um, yeah, it, it's um, it, it was I was kindly invited to this by Colin, so. Um, so I thought I'd come along and see how how, how you guys do it. Right, welcome on board, mate. Be good to, good to talk to you. Thank you, um, Sylvia. I know you just came on. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, hi. Thank you. I'm from Vernon, and I I know Steve. Um, I'm a natural stoic. <laughs> I live my life against the grain. Excellent. Good stuff. Thanks for coming on board, and good to hear your voice. Uh, next up, the dawn of stoicism. Donald Robertson. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I, I'm Donald Robertson. I'm from Ayr in Scotland. All the air when near a tune surpasses for honest men and bonny lasses. <laughs> and, uh, and I lived in England for a long time for my sins. And then uh, I emigrated to Canada. So believe it or not, I'm a Canadian. Like, I don't know if I look like one or sound like one, but I'm, I'm Canadian now and British. But I'm in Athens at the moment in Greece. Good stuff, Donald. We'll be speaking to you soon. Thanks, mate. Um, up next, we have Jason. Do you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jason I'm from Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, just joined uh, Jeff's meetup group. This is the very first time. Uh, came to Stoicism this year uh, because I lost a whole pile of work. And Stoicism has given me a good grounding and framework for more um, structure than I've ever known in my life. So it's great to be a part of groups like this to try and go after a deeper meaning. And uh, Donald's book was the very first uh, book we did in a offline Zoom, or sorry, I guess a Zoom, not offline, online book club. And uh, we're, uh, it, we enjoyed it immensely. Good stuff. Thanks for the introduction there, Jason. Brilliant to see you. And last but not least, Jeff. Jeff, did you hear me? Come in there, Jeff. Is Jeff there? That's not there. That's fine. No worries. Okay. Right, that's an odd introduction's done. Um, I, got, I got to jump in there. It's myself. Just missed me. No problem. Oh, sorry, Steve. On you go, mate. No worries. Uh, Steve Simon and from the Okanagan Stoics. Uh, I've been into Stoicism for about five years now. I did Stoic Week five years ago for the first time. Did for about three years and then kind of dropped off, but still stayed very involved. That's when I started uh, the Okanagan Stoics here in Vernon, BC. Uh, and uh, so great. I'm glad we're going to talk about it this the, the, over this thing. But going back and redoing Stoic Week has been a great thing for me this week. And uh, big shout out to uh, Pete Fagella in, in Boston for putting together uh, this arrangement of meeting different stoics and rotating around. So hooking up Canada with with Scotland. It's been fantastic and it looks like it's going to be some great stuff happening. 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. Thanks for coming on, Stephen. Good to see you, mate. Brilliant. Right, um, we'll get, uh, we're going to get the show started properly now. Can only a few questions for the panel. What we do before we go underway, there's a quote um, that Colin gave me over in format because he's absolutely fantastic at that kind of stuff. But sadly, um, my computer's not working, so um, I had to write it down, but I can't read my own writing. So, Colin, can you read out the opening quote, please? About every animal as soon as it's born. You got it there? Yes, excuse the wailing children in the background if you can, if you can hear them. Um, yeah, it was just from the beginning of the, the Stoic Week handbook. Um, it was just paraphrasing a wee bit of what uh, Cicero's quote was, that every animal, as soon as it is born, is concerned with itself and takes care to preserve itself. Also, parents' love for their children arises naturally. This is also the source of the mutual and rational, natural sympathy sympathy between humans so that the very fact of being human human requires that no human can be considered a stranger to any other. So that was Cicero on ends. And the thought was, have we forgotten how to do this yeah. or be like that in the midst of the pandemic? Or indeed before it even got started, <laughs> um, if you can remember that far back. And I guess, can Stoic Week help us improve in these areas ourselves, our relationships with others? and with the world so let's find out um yeah, yeah. so the the format for the meeting will be something hopefully <laughs> as follows and uh, try to keep it as organic as possible so the conversation can flow uh, i'm going to maybe invite someone to begin or a volunteer and then we'll take take a, take turns based on experiences of Stoic Week to chat about experiencing a specific day. So I want you to think about a question um, that I'm going to give you in a second. If you would like to respond, we can see everybody apart from from Greg. So Greg, if you can raise your hand in some way, that would be great. If you want to speak, just raise your hand and we'll, we'll, go, we'll go through you. Okay. Um, the question is this, which day from Stoic Week caught your attention the most or made you think the most, challenge yourself the most? So there's a question. And just to remind you, the themes, Monday was progress, Tuesday was happiness, happy Tuesday. Wednesday was about virtue, Thursday was community, yesterday was all about emotions and today is resilience. So just have a little think about that. Which day caught your attention the most or made you think the most? Let's see if we get volunteers. Okay, I'm going to jump in. We will. Okay, Steve, <laughs> on you go. First thing I noticed is I, when I jumped on this, I registered on Sunday, was a couple of days late getting into it. So went on there and grabbed a, a Stoic Week write-up manual i looked around and the closest one i found was like 2016 i think it was a list of them so i worked off that one so the days might be a little different they had the same uh topics but they're a little bit mixed up and other than as opposed to saying which one stood out the most what really stood out for me was just the handbook itself because the way it was set up like as someone for someone who hasn't been participating for the last couple of years and has returned back into it for the last couple of years i felt like i was just mechanically being a good store you know responding to things doing 
the things that I was supposed to do and really felt like I was set onto a nice even keel. But bringing, going back and, and looking at this, uh, the, the manual for the Stoic Week was really reframed it for me again, is to not just what I was doing, but really how I was feeling and how I was, uh, you know, positioning myself uh, with my family and people around me and, and just the world around me. So it was, a, it operated on a much different level for me than just, uh, you know, mechanically going through every, every one. Well, anyway, that's a little bit uh, wide in that uh, response, but that was what st struck me for sure. I could e easily uh, uh, address all the individual topics, but in general, that was how I responded to it. Yeah, I think this, the structure of the handbook definitely um, allows you to focus on maybe some things that you, you've not been doing, if you're a bit like me as well, a bit like you, Steve, thinking I'm... Uh, living like a stoic I guess but then realising there's all these other things that uh, are available to me or maybe I hadn't really been thinking about it in the correct manner yeah I can I can see that MD I always want to jump in here a specific day that caught your attention the most I think Monday um, actually the the making progress I think um, the Epictetus quote that sort of kicks it off was really thought provoking. I won't read the whole thing, but if virtue promises to enable us to achieve happiness, freedom from passion and serenity, then progress towards virtue is surely also progress towards each of these states. And what really stood out to me um, that was thought provoking was what is freedom from passion? Because we're taught as a society to do it with passion or don't do it at all. Um, but I really think that this is looking at passion through a different lens. Um, for example, a lust for life isn't defined as the lust uh, that the Stoics sort of see as a gateway drug to dissatisfaction. Um, and what I mean to say is that, uh, and what I've learned, is that there's a stark difference between loving life and leaving yourself vulnerable to dissatisfactions. So we look at the four um, passions that the Stoics say to avoid, which are distress, fear, lust, and delight, um, because if they are not exercised with temperance, um, they can put us in a pattern of comparing our experiences and even ourselves to other people where no matter what we do in the end, we just can't win and you don't want to create a lose-lose situation for yourself. So I really, really um, uh, meditated on that quote and just thought it was, you know, um, freedom from passion. It just sounds like it's so um, desaturating, but at the same time, it's really not if you take another glimpse at it. Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks, Casey. Um, anybody else got anything from the Monday? Um, let, let's, uh, let's have a hands up here. Who missed the Monday? Who was naughty and didn't start on time? Thanks, Sylvia. You phoned up, Steve and Marlene as well. I usually miss the Monday when I'm doing Stoic Week, but this week eh, I was eager to to be ready because there is that wee bit of background reading, isn't there? Before before starting, that can set you back if you haven't if you haven't read it before. Yeah, you know what, um, Casey? I think that you know that midday exercise you're thinking about. The, the four virtues and what that means to you at present or this week or in, over the last the last few months, I, th I found that exercise, the midday exercise here, 
uh, valuable, you know, exploring, you know, how I make contact with, with my own family, uh, how I've been following the rules of lockdown, um, spending money on Amazon, uh, <laughs> um, uh, drinking at home, you know, like um, there was a, there was a whole load, load in there that made me sit down and actually have a have a, a proper think about where I had um, been doing well and maybe where I had some improvements to do, um, especially in my own behaviours and you know, like reaching out to friends that I know I haven't heard from in a wee, in a wee while. And I think at the start of the pandemic, I was I was really good at that and. Um, getting together with old school buddies that we know we usually meet up once a year or twice a year, and and the the, the midst of total lockdown in the UK, I think we met up uh, three or four times, which was great, you know, um, making contact with people and trying to trying to trying to be trying to be good, yeah. Right, we'll move we'll move on. Um, right, uh, Sylvia, you said you missed. Missed Monday, so you're going to get a detention right now. Um, what what day stood out for you in the in Stoic Creek? I'm actually just here out of curiosity. All right, okay. No, no I, I was I had a really really busy week, and I already spend too much time on the computer as it is. So I just thought I would meet you guys today, and you know, I personally not so good at talking about being stoic i'm a doer right so i like okay. going out and mm -hmm. doing stuff right so, anyways but i just love listening to you guys and i love your accent so i'm happy <laughs> thank you well, well, maybe still, yeah. with the accent <laughs> i was just yeah. saying <laughs> <laughs> maybe you could pick one of our other guests on today to tell us which day was our favorite sylvia i'll put you on the spot again who would you <laughs> like to hear from uh well, uh, how about Ewan? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I actually haven't been doing the Stoic week officially because I've had a too busy week. But I've been I'm reading or going through um, Massimo Pigliucci's um, book "Live Like a Stoic," which has a, a lot of the same things. But regarding the sort of themes for each day, I would say <clears throat> um, res resilience is something that uh, appeals to me, and also that. I'm sure they make the point that the two the, the themes link and overlap. For example, resilience and, and happiness. Or was that a theme of one of the other days? For being resilient can make one more happy. For like uh, Stoics often talk about voluntary discomfort. For example, just and I, I feel like embracing small discomforts. They they sort of become easier, and you 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 start to notice them less and become happy. I mean, lots of people are stuck at home during the lockdown the weather is absolutely awful here it's cold and raining well i'm in wales so that's what it's normally like but um and yeah just sometimes being at home in a cold house during a lockdown can make you really miserable everyone, everyone finds that but um embracing the cold i went for a run in the rain this morning well, i mean lots of little things as i could you could talk about it all day but embracing discomfort i haven't given up my bed to sleep on a hard floor yet maybe maybe i'll get there but that can really make you more happy i feel like if i the whole idea is that if you give up you, you sleep on a hard floor for a couple of nights when you um sleep when you sleep on your nice bed again you'll have a whole new appreciation for it um so we take too too many things for granted basically um so i think in in those ways happiness and resilience are, are linked 
and that's uh, the first, I really got into stoicism by reading William B. Irvine's book, his first book, and that he makes a lot of points like that about how human beings take naturally take things for granted, um, and they they take for granted what fortune gives them, um, and and that makes them less resilient. So that's that's what's inspired me most from the book I'm reading now. Thank, thanks, June. Yeah, we had uh, Bill Irvin on. Was it two episodes again? Yeah, ago, two Bob? episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he gave us a, a good chat, similar to the one he actually gave at Stoic on. So we heard him first, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, talking about uh, happiness, Bob, you did a wee video on your Facebook, didn't you, on happiness on the Tuesday? Can you tell us yeah. a wee bit about what you thought about that day? I, it was just, it was kind of, for me, it was a great one. I've actually been trying to put a video up um, most days. I've not had a chance to yesterday or today, but I'll probably put one back up tonight. And it was um, my video that I put was like kind of the stoic take on happiness. That it's not a feeling or an emotion, but it's based along a kind of service, you know, a purpose and a meaning. But I, well, that's what I took from it anyway. And um, I, I, engaged, I engaged with the topic and I put it out there, but I had a lot of really good replies to it. Um, a lot of it was based on promoting, obviously, the, the podcast, but um, no, it was really, really good. It was really good. But no, not, not much meant to say in that, Colin. Um, I have to say, I might put one back up again tonight after we come off here. Yeah, what, what I did, I looked at um, the, the the morning meditation there. It was, it was from Cicero on the Tuesday, and it was um, about what the wise person does. And there was a whole list of different things, you know, not, does nothing that he could regret. And I was thinking, am I a wise person? Do I do nothing that I, that I regret? So I sort of rated myself against each thing on the list. Um, usually I don't do anything that I regret. Uh, nothing against his will, usually again, but does everything honourably. I try to act honourably. So I was sort of judging myself against what Cicero said there in the morning, the morning meditation. But, you know, it's, it's food for thought, and that's it. Um, it linked back to the Monday, which was about progress and how we can cultivate the virtues in ourselves and and think about that, you know, hold ourselves um, up there, hold a high standard for ourselves and try to get there. I think, you know, the, what I've found this, this week, um, I'd, I'd missed uh, John Sellers' chat on Stoicon, I went back and listened to, listened to it. He was talking about consistency. Um, and that's sort of been my, my overarching theme this week. I've sort of applied that across Stoic Week to be consistent in whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm doing, you know, consistent and stay stay vigilant each day to my, my impressions and what I'm thinking and what, what I'm doing, my actions. But yeah, Tuesday was a wee bit of an eye-opener there in terms of we think, well, I think sometimes I'm a good, good guy. Well, I'm a good guy, uh, generally speaking. But when it comes down to measuring yourself against what Cicero said, um, and I know he wasn't very good at measuring himself against what he said, but uh, I sort of, I think I'm a wee bit better than him, uh, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm to be honest with you. Yeah, I think... That was that was a good a good a good day and it linked nicely into the next day which was which was on which was on virtue. Donald, what's what's your thoughts on the the whole happiness day Tuesday? 
happiness. Um, well, I've got a confession to make, which is the um, about eight or nine years ago, um, I think it might have been me that wrote the Stoic Week Handbook, um, but it's such a long time now I can't completely remember. But uh, it's changed a lot. It changes every year. And so Chris Gills also had a lot of input in it. And I think Tim LeBon and John Sellers have contributed bits to it as well. So it's, it's might even be unrecognisable now from the, the original version that we put together. Um, happiness, I think, is a very interesting concept. And the first thing that I usually say to people about it is that the English word happiness has changed its meaning over time. So... The word happiness used to mean, in English, uh, fulfillment or flourishing or being fortunate. And there's still a trace of that in the English language. When we talk about somebody being hapless, a hapless individual, that's the opposite of what happy originally meant. So being hapless means being kind of wretched or unfortunate or in a bad condition, a bad place. And happy means being fortunate, doing well, being in a good place in life. And somehow the word changed its meaning so it came to mean something much more superficial, like happiness came to mean the feeling that you get when you uh, eat chocolate uh, and watch Netflix or something like that or have a nice glass of wine. It was kind of like, it came to mean a, a sort of vague, uh, positive, subjective feeling, kind of almost like pleasure. Whereas the Stoics contrast happiness and pleasure. So their word eudaimonia is a very hard word to translate. Um, but uh, it's almost like uh, the word nirvana in uh, Buddhism. Like uh, the easiest way to translate eudaimonia is that it's the condition. By definition, it's the, the state that somebody is in when they're living the optimum best possible life. So it's the ideal state to be in as a human being, kind of like nirvana or something like that. Uh, it's not just a buzz or a feeling of happiness, but it's actually flourishing and doing well. So somebody could take ecstasy and they would say they're really happy, but the Stoics in that original meaning of the word would look at them and say, you might feel happy, but you're not actually flourishing. You're not happy in this original sense. In fact, maybe you're you're kind of in a hapless condition if you're abusing drugs, even though you might feel happy. So they, it causes some confusion. Um, when we translate eudaimonia as happiness, it, it, it's meant more in this kind of archaic Victorian sense of the word where it refers to somebody actually fulfilling their potential in life. That's my tuppence worth. Great, great. Thanks, Donald. Yeah, I think it says in the something like in the handbook, um, happiness is um, expressing human nature at its best, sort of living in accordance with, with nature. And I think it is true when you act at your best, you you do get a, you get a deep joy within yourself, I think, don't you? Um, rather than that uh, fleeting happiness that you get from seeing your team destroy the opposition two 0 in the old fun game. <laughs> um, yeah, and 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 <laughs> so is it a bit? It's more about your act, your actions. I think what you, what you what you do um, when you act. It's a sort of byproduct, like not an egotistical pleasure, but um, a deep sort of underlying satisfaction, perhaps. Um, and there's an amazing. Uh, if you look at, oh, sorry, is that? Well, I was just going to say very quickly. Yeah, bit, I was reading it the other day, one of Seneca's letters to Lucilius, but I can't remember which one it is. Uh, where he, he says about this exact thing, he says happiness is 
defined by its essence, not by it, not by its extent, meaning contrary to how we see it now, you know, we think we can always get more happy, get a better job, get a better car, get a, a better this, keep going and buying and consuming more or whatever. But he says one, happiness is a, defined by its essence and you can't sort of become more happy. Um, it was on, on that exact subject, but that I really, really liked that quote that, that really uh, resonated. But it's, it does seem like I, I sort of suspected that the word words like happiness don't translate particularly well um, in in these conversations. Great, thanks, for, thanks for that, June. Um, if we if we look, look at Wednesday's uh, day, which the theme in Wednesday was uh, virtue, um, and obviously the the four Stoic virtues are uh, wisdom, justice courage and temperance um, which underneath them you can have a whole number of different words that we would maybe say are are things that we qualities I guess that we'd like to encapsulate in our lives or or um, you know show ourselves to uh, hold those those qualities I should say um, and I think you were asked what what are the most important qualities for living a good human life yourself what do you think the most important qualities are for living a good human life so what are the most important qualities for living a good human life what do you think jason do you want to say something sorry who was that marlene <laughs> on you yeah. go marlene yeah uh i think courage at this point is what I consider to be the, the top virtue um, followed by temperance. So, um, and it's, it's probably the one I think about most right now vis-a-vis -vis work and what's going on with COVID and a variety of things. So just that one resonates the most with me, courage, just thinking about what is the courageous thing to do regardless of what might be the expected outcome. So that one, that one is the most meaningful for me. And the reason I chose temperance as second is because I think right now it's easy to sit down with that glass of wine and Netflix and tune out of everything that's going on. So um, originally I didn't like it because I thought it sounded like an AA kind of meeting. And I, uh, but I understand the more that I'm working with this material, I understand more what it means to be the discipline to be able to choose um, diversions and <clears throat> distractions versus being on point so I like those two the most right now I know you just asked for one I had to throw in the second <laughs> I had to be courageous uh, yeah um yeah well you, you you do what you want them all you should have said all, all, all four Marlene um <laughs> any, anybody come up with anything that you know that day or and I think if you asked someone that wasn't a Stoic or had no knowledge of Stoicism, what are the most important qualities for living a good life? I think you're not going to get wisdom mentioned at all. You're probably not going to get temperance mentioned. Probably courage, I imagine that might come feature, feature in there. Um, justice, I don't know. Um, I think that's sorely lacking in our world at the minute. Um, but Anybody in, in our group that would like to add anything else or other words that come up um, when you think, what, what qualities do I really want, want to, to possess? Steve, you got something to say? Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I was uh, happy to be, you know, reacquainted and, and refocus on these ideas of virtues. Uh, because, first of all, when you ask about, you know, which one, you pick one out. We're supposed to understand that if you've got one, you've got them all. Like they're, they, they all, you have them all. That's just how it works. Um, the, uh, it's easy to, it's, it's tough to get into a, a discussion about virtues because you can kind of really kind of get bogged down and trying to pick them apart and really, uh, um, you know, see them individually. But uh, one thing that came out of the uh, uh, thing was, uh, you know, the virtues, virtues are forms of expertise in living. So they're, they really are how they're just the tools that we do things. And with that in mind, it makes it easier to explain other aspects of stoicism, for example, indifferences, because if you claim an indifference to your health, and people will say, well, well, you have to look after your health, well, how can you be indifferent to it? If you are practicing the virtues, and you're keeping focused on those things, you will take care of your health, you will take care of people who depend on you. And so these things will follow naturally. So they really just, and those kind of ideas help me to focus back on why virtue is sort of the focus of, of stoicism. Thanks for that, Steve. <clears throat> Anybody else got anything to say on on important qualities for living? I agree with Steve that um, I think that virtues enable you um, by scaling down um, your behavior in order to sift out what's rational that enables you to be rational. Um, and by doing that, it keeps you from being crippled by anything else. So um, Wednesday, I reflected a lot on my mother and her Alzheimer's. And um, that's where negative visualization uh, has served me in meditating on perhaps losing her and help me to desaturate the situation of uh, any of its value judgments. And instead of focusing on what, and, and instead I focused on, you know, what needs to be done. And by doing that, it serves her in the best way possible um, because I don't want to be crippled by grief. And um, that's where sort of uh, courage helps me with that. And then like, like you said, one kind of follows the other. Um, and by doing that negative visualization that day, it really um, disarmed the hurtful impact. And it makes me, again, a more rational person that will exercise wisdom and courage together when that time comes. So Wednesday, I heavily meditated on something like that. And those of you that know me know that I have, I struggled with negative visualization, the whole ideal of that, but um, it really served me that day. Thanks. Thanks for your um, your answer there, Casey. I know that was the the theme for for today as well was resilience. I was actually listening to Donald's dulcet tones on my walk with my dog. Um, the guided meditation for uh, the the pre meditation of adversity. Um, and if you haven't listened to that, I do I do recommend it. Uh, I was meditating on something that that happened the other day and. Made me look at it in a, diff a different, different light. I saw it in a different light. We'll maybe talk about that a wee bit later on. That that specific technique. Um, you know, I, I always add a few other things to when I'm thinking about important qualities, things that I tend maybe to lack at times, like 
empathy <laughs> um or compassion um yeah so I, I had added those two in there but I, you know I'd link them back into into the four the four main virtues where, where I see them sitting in in specific specific occasions um like Thursday's day was about community and uh, there was an interesting exercise that day which was the circles of is it Hierocles um which is about seeing or trying to I guess um have feeling that you have for your family and bring other people outside that closer to have that overall feeling for them. I think that's that's the, the gist of it. Um, and you know, I was I was thinking. I don't really want to talk about politics, but I was think, thinking about an, an important vote that took place in the the House of Commons the other night, where um, they were voting for free for. I think it was for school meals for kids over the holidays, and they would continue to get those in every party. Apart from the conservatives, conservatives voted for that. They all voted against it, and it, it went down. And they didn't get free school meals. Well, not yet, anyway. And I was thinking, if the Tories had done their circle of Heracles exercise that day, would the would the outcome of that vote have been different? Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps it would have done. Um, how do? Here's the question: How do you see? Um, stoicism fitting in with your local community and wider area and your country. How do you see those? How do you see that philosophy working in those areas? So um, I I really like that. I um, really like Thursday, and um, and it, and I felt that it sort of brought an area of stoicism out that probably isn't as widely publicized when people think of stoicism they they don't really think about uh, your role within your community and, and they 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 probably haven't heard of Heracles either um and it, it resonated with me from um, the perspective of lockdown and and, um, and my local community um because i now know most of my neighbors on my street in a way that i i hadn't done before and and also i felt that potentially i could use it to improve myself in the sense that maybe i need to think more about how I see my neighbours rather than just seeing them as people who live on the same street as me. Uh, I, I particularly like that and I like the visualisation exercise as well because it, my brain works in a way that, that yeah, that works well for me. Um, I hadn't thought about it in a national context though um, and I think your point Colin um, particularly about, about that um, in, in a national context um, is also really interesting. Yeah, bring in bring in circle of Heracles for all new MPs or sworn in. Uh, would it make a difference? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Stoicism community. I think a lot of people go to stoicism as a self help to help themselves, and maybe don't see, as you mentioned, David, that aspect of it. And the first time I did that exercise, I think it was 2016, the Circle of Heracles, I think it was that year. And at the end of it, I was like, that. wow, um, I hadn't really thought about it. And uh, it was a very useful exercise. Uh, did give me, and you know what, this week I have had a 
a deeper feeling of connectedness to my fellow human fellow human being, even though I've hardly seen anybody, which is a bit a bit weird. Uh, I don't know if that's just me. Um, but yeah, a sort of underlying connectedness. And I know <clears throat> the Stoics talked quite a lot about uh, cosmopolitanism and being, I think Marcus really said he was uh, he was both a citizen of Rome but also a citizen of of the world. Um, let's fill your hands up. Do you see yourself as a citizen of the world or just a citizen of your your hometown or your your country? So if you see yourself as a citizen of your of the world, put your hand up. So we've got a, a high number there. The majority of folk are citizens of the world. When do we get our passports for that? Um, free, free, free travel across any border. Um, Colin, yeah. I didn't raise my hand there because I feel I'm a citizen of the universe. You know what I mean? I like to fly with the stars, my friend. Fly with the stars. <laughs> fair, 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 enough, fair enough. Yes. I have a question because I didn't raise my hand because I feel like it would be inauthentic because I, I don't even know what that looks like. When you say, I mean, I care about the world, but what do I really do? So when you all who voted, you are, can you just share what that even means in a practical sense? Yeah. Well, yeah. Who wants to answer that first? Can I try that? Uh, yes, Steve. I'll, I'll put it, try to put that in a framework that comes up a lot in, in conversation about this. And, and I, I'll say first off that, I believe stoicism is a very personal thing that you engage in in order to live the best life you can. And and I'll submit that the purpose of stoicism is not to go out and save other people or do these generous things. The purpose of stoicism is for you to live the best of your life you can. And in order to do that, you have to take into account the rest of the people. So it's not just doing good things for other people. It's also putting up with tough people that are hard to put up with and it's not and and it's and i'd like to drive into this a little bit because oftentimes people will say well you should if you're a stoic you should be doing this or you're a stoic you should be doing that and uh and when we when this comes up in conversations with our group i try to always reframe that and say no it's it's not a matter of, you know what side you're on what team you're on just as long because you need to identify where you see an injustice or something needs to be done and you need to act on that and it's the acting on it that's going to make you live the best life you can, not specifically the thing you are doing. Now, that might confuse a little bit or maybe open it up to a wider discussion, but I think that kind of framework helps make stoicism a little more personal in what you do. At the same time, recognizing that we live in a world with, with other people. Thanks, Steve. Um, anybody else want to come in with a, a follow-up to that? Yeah, I can give a, a little bit of thoughts there. Um, I, I think there's quite a few ways that one can manifest this concept. And it doesn't mean um, all being a part of a similar government. Um, that's not what cosmopolitanism means. Because uh, certainly that's never existed. And yet Socrates and Diogenes... All, all had a similar concept of cosmopolitanism that we're talking about here. 
So that's not really what it means, but it does mean considering all people as part of this of one greater community. And so how do we therefore behave? And I think it's a matter of, first of all, do no harm to other communities. So that's, that's always a good start. Um, but also then we can say, how should we behave within our own community is similar to how we should behave to uh, that, that broader community. So we don't, what's good for the bee is good for the hive. Don't do something in yourself that is going to harm the greater community. And also um, treat the greater community with the same type of respect as you would within yourself. And then it can go even further in saying that even though if someone is part of a different um, country or different, let me use the word tribe. I don't necessarily mean tribe in the sense of uh, um, anything more ethnic, though. I think of meaning more broadly than that. So even if someone is of a different camp, maybe camp is the better word then, camp, then you, that doesn't change anything, that they're still part of the same community, they're still part of the same body, and they should be treated with good love and respect. Does that help answer your question, Marlene? Yeah, yeah, it's it's more conceptual. I guess I was thinking, you know, it feels good to say that, but I don't actually, and I believe that. It's not like I think that I'm not open to other communities. I just don't actually do anything globally that furthers any sort of sense of community. So it's, I guess it's more conceptual than practical. I mean, everybody yeah. wants to say their part. I mean, I don't know anybody that would want to then actually say, no, I don't believe in a, a global community or sense of community with other, you know, other countries, et cetera. But I just, I was just struggling to think of how do I actually do that? What am I actually authentically doing versus okay. just. Um, Donald's going to come in, but before you do, Donald, can I just say, I, I, I think you can, you know, even simple things like considering where you buy your clothes from and the how that's all connected back. If you're buying clothes from a shop that is involved in known to have had slave labour and stuff like that, then you're not acting in a cosmopolitan no, manner. Um, so just things like that, you know, being a bit more aware of of what you do and how, and, you know, and it can be something as simple as that. Sorry, Donald, on you come. I just wanted to mention a couple of things. I don't know if it's a direct answer to the question, but a couple of bits of trivia that might be interesting. So a good place to look for information, actually, is Martha Nussbaum has a new book out recently called The Cosmopolitan Tradition, which is really good. And actually, it's a critique of Stoic philosophy. Um, but it, it really focuses... Sorry, one moment. Let me type this message, and I'm going to log off this, and I'm not going to participate here. It focuses on the the concept of international human rights, and so it, it's very practical in a sense. Like it's quite political. Um, it's about international. It's very much about international law. It's very very well written. It's available in audio book as well. I listened to the audio book. It's pretty cool. Um, also, a couple of little historical things. It was allegedly Diogenes the Cynic that first said that he was a citizen of the cosmos or cosmopolitan. But Epictetus says it was Socrates who was the first person to say it. And sometimes there's this ambiguity in the ancient literature about whether an idea came from one philosopher or another. Now, there's a sense in which Socrates was cosmopolitan at a very practical level, that the philosophical schools and the sophists as well mainly taught 
young, wealthy, aristocratic Athenian males. And in fact, the gymnasia, not far from here, like the Plato's Academy and the Lyceum, they're big recreational grounds where people used to do philosophy and discuss virtue and so on and teach, and women were not allowed anywhere near them. And neither were foreign residents like myself. I wouldn't be allowed inside Plato's Academy. You had to be a, a Greek uh, citizen to be allowed in. And Socrates was one of the first people to break this rule. And one of the reasons perhaps he ended up being forced to drink hemlock, one of the many reasons he was forced to drink hemlock, was that Socrates did the unthinkable. And if you read the dialogues of Plato and Xenophon, he went around doing philosophy with shock horror, women, with slaves, with male prostitutes, female prostitutes, uh, foreign immigrants, with everybody, like not just young, wealthy, aristocratic Athenian males. And so that is an aspect of Socrates' practical cosmopolitanism. He wasn't racist or sexist. He embraced everybody as a, a fellow citizen, even though he, he rarely left Athens. And uh, another little piece of trivia for you, if I can, Marcus Aurelius. Um, we mentioned already that he viewed himself as a citizen of Rome, but also a citizen of the cosmos. Despite the fact he's a Roman emperor, if you look at the meditations, he hardly ever mentions Roman citizens anywhere in the entire book, which is striking because he's Roman emperor. He talks a great deal about his relationship with other people, but uh, he's always talking about fellow humans. And he wrote this book at a time when he was on the northern frontier, and in fact across the border, in a buffer state, in a enemy, enemy territory at one point. And so he's surrounded by foreigners who are not Roman citizens. And when he's talking about being at one with others, forgiving people, like having a sense of harmony with other people, despite being Roman emperor, it, it very much seems that he's extending that to include the whole human race which would be odd for a Roman, would be controversial for a Roman. And Marcus Aurelius, when he woke up in the morning, would be talking to uh, Germanic chieftains and be surrounded by foreigners that other Romans would have considered natural slaves and their inferiors. Uh, Marcus seems throughout that book to be rehearsing, thinking in a, a radically different way about these foreigners. Um, and also another little bit of trivia for you, because I can't help it. Plutarch tells us that the Stoic idea of cosmopolitanism came from Alexander the Great because Alexander invaded Persia and he said you don't have to be born in Greece in order to be a Greek you can be a Greek as long as you embrace our culture and values and that was the basis of the empire that he created and the, the whole Hellenistic culture world. So people think that Stoic cosmopolitanism is very much shaped by the world that Alexander created and this idea that the country you're born in is irrelevant, like it's really you can be considered a citizen of the Stoic cosmos if you embrace Stoic virtue. Um, we're actually we're running out of time. We've been talking <clears throat> for a good bit. Um, Bob, do you want to 
quickly move on to the next question. I well, what I'm going to do, Colin, I'm just going to incorporate two questions into one here because we've run out of time, as you say. So the question that I'm going to ask to the panel, and we'll go through this as, as quick as we can, but um, so obviously the theme this week has been uh, during midday, there's been exercises that we've been doing um, throughout the day. But what I'm going to follow on with this is tomorrow's exercise is a view from above. Now, I use it it's one of my favourite stoic exercises. Of all. It puts me into my purpose and into my place of where I actually fit in the, the universe. And um, and sometimes my ego can tell me it's a lot greater than it is. So the view from my bud kind of smashes that. So, but the question I'm going to put out to the panel is, can you let us know what your experiences have been this week with the midday exercises? And if it's if the view from above has been beneficial, you, you can maybe bring that into question as well. But I'll just leave it up with that and see if anybody wants to come back with uh, do you want to start with yourself, Casey? What do you think about that? About this, the exercises this week or the view from yeah, above? The, yeah, well, either you can use the view from above. That's just one example. But also any of the exercises you felt would be beneficial throughout this throughout story week. I think the view from above really helps to isolate the ego. And in terms of responses to things, um, it offers that broader perspective of, okay, Am I responding or is it my ego responding? And that's where the virtues kind of come in too. Um, so uh, the view from above is is always stepping back and pausing and um, it's really helpful uh, in terms of your friendships, relationships with people. Uh, also, um, I really did love the community exercise, um, the visualizing, because that helps with the view from above too, because that's what you're taking, the view from above and seeing this light sort of spread across the landscape instead of your own little corner of the universe. I agree with that, definitely. It's a good, it's a good answer. Thanks for that, Casey. Um, can we have, uh, who else just want to come in but on top of that? Does anybody be doing exercise during the week that they felt have been beneficial, including the view from above? Maybe yourself, Steve. Uh, I'd say the view from above. That's a, what I love about that one is that been trying, you know, been engaging with it for a long time. And for me, I've kind of reduced it down to more like a couple of maxims rather than actually going through the process of imagining myself, uh, you know, expanding out and, and suddenly realize to the point where I realize I'm just tiny. <laughs> it's it's easy to do that. In fact, it's probably something that I do in all when I go for I go for a walk every morning. That's my that's my meditation time where I try to practice these things. And almost every day at some point I just go, oh, you're just small. <laughs> and just a, a sim the simple maxims can, can bring that whole process into just a quick thought that you can re-grab really quickly. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Donald, can I ask you a direct question to that? You have done um, a meditation on it. So I, I was probably being ignorant there to the listeners. Could you give the listeners a quick rundown how the view from above works? I know it's about an 18-minute meditation done, so if a quick kind of synopsis how it works. The basic idea that the Stoics have is that if we were deceived by the fact that our human senses confine us to seeing what's in front of our eyes or under our nose, and that the truth is the, always the bigger picture, and it's tied in with their theology, like it doesn't have to be, but they use this as a way of explaining it, that they think the mind of Zeus is omniscient and, and understands the whole of space and time. 
And so one way of understanding virtue is to become more like God, to enter the mind of God. And that would require grasping the universe in its totality and placing everything within a broader context. So the Stoics do that in a number of ways, but one of them is just by picturing things as if it's seen from the top of a mountain, like in Clash of the Titans or something like that, where you see the Olympians looking down. And incidentally, um, in the passages where Marcus describes this, one of them in particular, it sounds very much as if he's literally describing the view from the top of the Athenian Acropolis, which would be the view of the ancient Agora, where people traded and the law courts were and everything like that. So that's where the Temple of Athena is. It's a very sacred place. Um, Athenians like Socrates would have gone up there all the time and looked down on things from high above. And Marcus uh, seems to be using that as a kind of way of understanding this godlike perspective. Thanks, Donald. Thanks for that. It, it, does anybody else want to come in and add to that uh, on the exercises that they've done this week? What's been beneficial for you? Yeah, can I come in, Bob? Of course, of course, um, Just the act of journ- like journaling in the morning and then a bit in the afternoon with the exercises and the evening, I found real benefit from that. Um, I don't often do, I never do a midday exercise, but it's maybe something I'm going to take on moving forward because I found real benefit from that. Um, so, yeah, just, just that simple act of doing that writing pen on paper helps me focus focus my thoughts and um, sets me up for the day in the morning and at night time it sets me up for the next the next day and lets me reflect on my progress for for that day on that note i should I'm going to do a little bit of advertising here for uh catherine coramillis she's got a stoic on x event coming up on journaling with the stoics um, that's on Sunday, the 1st of November. If you're interested on that, there'll be information, I think, in Modern Stoicism website. Donald, you're, you're one of the guests there, aren't you? Along with John Sellers and I think it's David Fiddler. Um, and that's a few hours looking at how Stoics journal. So if you're like journaling or you're you're not into journaling, you want to get into it, that's something to, to look out for. Sorry, Thanks, about that. shameful. <laughs> Colin, I think we'll. Um, if you want to ask one more question before we wrap up, do you got anything else to add? Um, maybe. Um, if you have spent the week living like a stoic and enjoyed it, um. Or have you found it helpful? Are you going to continue in that vein? Are you going to continue what you've learned this week and implement it as part of your daily routine? It's just a hands-up vote. So are you going to continue living like a stoic? Let's see, let's see your hands or your thumbs. Yeah, I think we're all in there. I don't believe Donald, not for a second. <laughs> Donald's given up after after his story, Greek. Uh, I've had enough. I'm going to become an Epicurean from now on. Right. <laughs> You're so pissed. You can never have too much stoicism. That's what I say. I agree with you. Stoicism for life, not just for Christmas. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I'll just let you round up, Bob. 
Aye, first and foremost, I would like to thank everybody who came on board tonight. It's been an excellent panel, and I'm sure individually we'll get you on as uh, individual guests in the coming weeks and months, and some back on again, like you, Donald, because the first episode we did, we never recorded it. <laughs> so please, if you could go back on it sometime, we'd be very, very grateful. Um, and for everybody else, just a, a big thank you. Um, Colin, have you got anything else to add? No, just just again, I thank you. Um, we covered some ground, but you know, an hour's not an hour's nowhere near enough time to have a proper discussion no, about, not for, not for about the benefits of, of stoic week or, or living like a stoic. But I hope for those that are listening, they get a uh, a brief glimpse of the potential there, and hopefully, you've been full of zest as this week progresses, as Tim LeBon said. I'm certainly feeling very zesty this week, and I hope you guys are too. So thanks you, <laughs> thanks, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks everybody, and we'll be back again in a couple of weeks' time. Another episode of the Scotland Stoics. Thanks everybody, and everybody have an excellent night. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you very much. Fantastic. <laughs>